Welcome to episode 165 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the Kyle's Wild edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host, and I'm with my co-host, uh, a computer genius, a gentleman, a scholar, uh, I racing and an I racing Indy 500 champion. His name is Josh Fine. What's going on, brother? Hey, I'm doing great, Phil. As always, um, you know, had a good weekend, of course, um, and everything. Uh, Besides the uh, regular racing that we see um, this weekend, um, I did a little bit of racing my own, go-karting, so we'll get into that later. But yeah, a lot of uh, good racing this weekend, of course, Long Beach and Martinsville, and yeah, uh, both series, you know, we saw uh, Kyle win in Cup in an IndyCar, so uh, yeah, ready to get into it. Yeah, Kyle Kirkwood goes and wins from pole to get his first career IndyCar win. Brian Herta takes yet another young driver to victory lane, uh, first of what probably will be many victories for Kyle Kirkwood in the IndyCar series. At Long Beach, had to battle uh, Joseph Newgarden, amongst others, to get that victory. In terms of the Cup Series, it was processional, very strategy-based race. Some of the drivers said it was even worse than last year. At Martinsville, and that's with less horsepower or more horsepower and less downforce. And the the what do you call the product showed it when Kyle Larson stayed out on old tires and Joey Logano stayed out on nearly 200 lap older tires and finished they finished first and second. So Larson finally gets his grandfather clock for his fan base. I was going to say something else, but I'm just doesn't matter. Uh, other than that, we'll uh, get into. The Xfinity and truck races, John Hunter Nemechek and Corey Heim, uh, victor, victors in both of those series. We will then also go into our GSP roundup, which will cover the Supercross at Atlanta Motor Speedway, IMSA at Long Beach, MotoGP and Moto2 at Circuit of the Americas, uh, which was the MotoGP races, was absolute carnage, WEC at Portimao, which the winner is usual, the same usual winner. Uh, but there are some other people, interesting teams out there. Las Vegas four-wide NHRA Nationals. Uh, we'll talk about the pro categories, but in the uh, sportsman category, one Anthony Wayne Stewart took his first career top alcohol dragster win at the same track that he almost got his first win last fall. Uh, so uh, gets that deal done. So we'll talk about that. Preview Rally Croatia the Berlin pre they return after a bunch of time off. And then World Superbike at Assen, one of the great motorcycle circuits there is. And then uh, Josh and I will preview Talladega, the Xfinity in the Cup. We'll make our picks. And the Tate-Fogelman algorithm will come out of hibernation. It's been on ice since uh, Atlanta, so we'll bring it back out for this race and see what it spits out. There's some interesting drivers in the cup race. There's going to be a little bit of bumping there. So something to look at, I think, or maybe the number on the numbers off and I, I, there's not even 40 and then it won't matter, but um, we'll get into Josh's sim segment and also his go-karting exploits on uh gas go-kart exploits out there. So we'll talk about that and then we'll close the deal. So yeah, let's start with the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach, uh, one of the majors, a race that everyone in IndyCar wants to win. That's uh, 
and to go out there and get the victory and do it in the way that Kyle Kirkwood did was uh, pretty strong. Uh, great job by him. Great job by the Andretti Autosport crew uh, this past weekend, finishing one, two, and four uh, for the three actual drivers they have on that team. And um, he led, I don't know how many, uh, we'll see that, yeah. He led 53 Kirkwood led 53 of the races, 85 laps. Joseph Newgarden was the other driver that uh, um, led a bunch of the race. And Newgarden ended up, because of having to do an extreme fuel save, fell back and uh, fell back to ninth. We'll get into the top 10 here. I was off on the speed there for the fastest lap. That's pretty far off for me. Um, Kyle Kirkwood, Roman Grosjean, and Marcus Erickson. Uh, are your top three finishers, and they started in the top three. Um, Grosjean was less than a second behind. Colton Herta finished fourth. Alex Pillow finished fifth. Will Powers sixth. Felix Rosenquist, Marcus Armstrong, Joseph Newgarden, and Scott McLaughlin round out the top ten. Uh, Rupier Floathead and Green Rehall, eleventh, uh, twelfth. The three Rahal cars finished twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth after they started in the boondocks. Um, Pato Award fucked it hard and uh, went from having the points lead and being able to solidify said points lead to uh, losing it with uh, running into uh, Scott Dixon and then later on screwing up on his own. So uh, no unfortunate performance for Pato. The McLaren team didn't have a lot to show for it. Rosenquist finished seventh. That was the best finisher because Alexander Rossi went off course at, on the final lap or final couple of laps of the race and lost what would have been a top top 10 finish for sure. And Dixon, of course, finished dead last, which is weird for Scott Dixon to <laughs> finish dead last in a race. I, I'd have to look it up the last time he actually done that. But probably, I think it was one of the Indy 500s recently when he crashed. I think the one where um, he almost got launched in outer space. I think that one was the one he might have finished at last in that race. But Kyle Kirkwood, what a performance. They ran the vast majority from lap 24 to 85. The rest of the race was run under green. Uh, the majority of the drivers here from 1st to 18th all did two stops. I think the only people that did more than two stops were drivers that actually had problems. And so credit to... I mean, it was it was not just stra- it was not just strategy, but you had to go and time it right to make sure you were saving fuel and the like. But Kyle Kirkwood handled himself like a veteran and uh, did what he had to do to get his first career victory. Josh and uh, battling his teammate in the end, three Andretti cars in the top four, something that we used to see back in the day, but not something we have seen in a in a few years for sure, probably in like a decade. Uh, with Andretti being up there, but uh, credit to them. They had the pace at St. Petersburg to win uh, both uh, both Grosjean and Kirkwood. This time they're able to finish the job, and um, Colton Hurdo is able to move up and, and get into a position possibly to get another victory at Long Beach, but in this case he takes a fourth-place finish. So, But Kyle Kirkwood is a story. Gets his first career win in Indy cars, Josh. Yeah, Kyle Kirkwood, of course, first career win. Um, won the pole too this weekend, uh, so he was really dominant throughout the entire um, you know race uh, throughout the weekend. 
Um, Romain Grosjean was right there with him and gave his you know teammate daps on Friday when they uh, when he qualified on pole. So you know, uh, really impressive run overall. And uh, you know, Kyle Kirkwood, we kind of saw, like you said, at St. Petersburg, what he could do. Uh, got caught up in an accident there, of course, but um, over here at Long Beach, he was uh, in command for most of the day. And um, you know, at at times, you know, he fell behind uh, Joseph Newgarden, but. He was the only one really that could hang with Newgarden. Uh, of course, Newgarden's on a different strategy, but um, he stayed within one second or less uh, for the most part uh, with uh, Newgarden throughout the middle portion of the race when uh, you know Joe New was leading there. So a really strong car, and then uh, when it counted at the end, you know, he was able to uh, drive away from everybody. Of course, uh, Grosjean at the end uh, put on a little bit of a challenge and uh, maybe closed within a little bit less than a second, but never could get uh, any further than that. Um, so really, a really strong effort there from uh, Andretti uh, for, you know, both of their cars, uh, you know, or well, two of their cars with Grosjean and Kirkwood there. So um, yeah, just an impressive performance, I think overall. And like you said, for Andretti, um, you know, they been really good uh so far to start the year even though first race maybe they had a little bit of uh bad luck with some of their cars so um yeah just a really impressive performance um gotta say you know it does speak to the uh investment that not only andretti has made but uh ceo of group 1001 in gainbridge uh is also you know put a lot of money into this uh team of course becoming uh virtually a, a co-owner of the team um and everything so that certainly helps to have more capital of course and of course um you know paddle award has talked about in the past the main competition being penske and ganassi that he has to face well i think andretti uh has a little bit to say about that for sure of course um Pato finished in 17th uh, and had a couple of run-ins throughout the day including you know hip checking uh scott dixon into the wall so uh a little bit, little bit, uh, you know, uncharacteristic there of uh, Scott Dixon to, you know, be taken out and finish last and maybe expect a little bit more out of Pato too there. So, yeah, definitely uh, a lot that happened uh, throughout this race, even though Kirkwood definitely dominated uh, most of the race. So, yeah, uh, of course, really, you know, impressive runs, you know, throughout, uh, throughout the field. Kirkwood, of course, uh, um, Felix Rosenquist, of course, had a good run. Marcus Armstrong finished in the top 10. Uh, you know, Santino Ferrucci, you know, finished uh, in 11th place. So that for, for that team, um, pretty good run uh, on, you know, on the road course in an A.J. Foyt car. Um, you know, Augustin Camp Canapino was there for uh, a little bit, even though he finished, uh, you know, towards the back of the field. Um, you know, he was up front for maybe a couple laps during a caution period. So um, I'll take an out by paddle in that Dixon deal yeah. too, or yeah, yeah, he did. So that's, that's part of it, but he, he had, uh, chances there as well. So, um, you know, credit to him, uh, of course, um, Elio Castro Nevis finished a lap down, but impressive by, you know, work by the crew, you know, first lap, uh, caution, um, two lap, you know, first two laps, they had a caution and he was able to, uh, get the nose repaired without, um, losing lap under caution. So, uh, credit to their crew for doing a really good job there. But, um, yeah, this, this was a, you know, I mean, interesting race overall. And, um, 
some of the strategies that we saw from, uh, you know, from Andretti versus uh, Penske there. And, um, you know, was wondering there, you know, with Newgarden taking the lead in the middle, middle of the race, would he be able to, um, you know, keep the lead uh, overall? But, you know, um, Kirkwood was able to get it back and um, he was able to hold the point from, uh, from there on for the rest of the race. So, um, yeah, it was a, you know, solid Grand Prix, nothing, nothing too crazy happened, but, you know, nonetheless, uh, it is Long Beach and one of the most, uh, impressive, uh, performances we've seen in one of the most prestigious, uh, you know, road course races, uh, in the country in the series. Yeah. It's a classic. I mean, outside of the Indianapolis 500, that's the biggest race on the IndyCar calendar. You want to win this race. It means a lot. A lot of the great drivers have won it. Michael Andretti won his first and last race of his career at Long Beach, uh, separated by what? It was uh, 16 years between that first and last victory of his career and um, meant a lot to his career. He became one of his strong points of his uh, legendary career was street courses, and he won at Long Beach, which his dad had dominated at before in multiple types of cars, and then some guy named Alan Sir Jr. became the king of Long Beach and won how many races, although back in the 80s and the 90s, if it wasn't for Danny Sullivan dumping him, he would have probably won like seven, eight in a row or seven in a row or something. So to win at Long Beach has meaning a lot of drivers have won their first career race there. As I mentioned, Michael Andretti, um, that orange no necklace mongoloid Paul Tracy, um, what is it? Uh, I think Mike Conway, they said as well, and Takuma Sato uh, were all first-time winners at uh, winning the Long Beach Grand Prix prior to Kyle Kirkwood. And, of course, Takuma Sato is a two-time Indianapolis 500 winner. Mike Conway won other IndyCar races and then uh, has went on to have a strong career in the WEC. And, um, yeah, so that's uh, that is, yeah, those are two really good ones to join along with Michael Andretti. And he was as happy as I've seen him in a long time. And I think it's probably because he knows that he has a guy that he can win with, he can build with. I, I mean, he's going to build with Colton Herta, of course, but there's just something about uh, this Kyle Kirkwood and what he has done in his career so far and all the lower formulas to be able to um, drive the way that he has driven and perform I mean, there's a lot to be said about that and how how good he has been. And um, there, the reality of the world is, I don't think this is the end. It's gonna be. It's just the beginning for him. So that's credit to him and really something that looking forward to seeing as the year goes on uh, with uh, the Indy cars and going to now at Baba. Uh, will be the next race here in a couple of weeks' time. Now there will actually be some semblance of flow to the IndyCar schedule here, and um, it'll be nice to have that. Uh, that'll be in two weeks' time at Barber Motorsports Park. The point standings uh, leading into the Children's of Alabama Indy Grand Prix, I think presented by Am First. Trying to look at the logo, it's small enough. Uh, and... Yeah, Medical Properties Trust, Amherst. Yeah, there you go. So the points going into Barber in two weeks' time, Marcus Erickson retakes the points lead um, from Pato Award. He is now 15 points ahead. He's two, a win, a, a third, and an eighth. 
versus Pato's two seconds and a 17th. Alex Pillow is in third, four points behind his likely future teammate. Joseph Newgarden in fourth. Kyle Kirkwood moves all the way up to fifth um, in terms of his uh, 36 points behind Marcus Erickson. Scott Dixon loses ground and now is sixth. But Scott Dixon over the years has had slow starts. He's had some issues early and he's a six-time champion. You never count him out. Grosjean is in seventh. Herta is in eighth. Uh, Will Power ninth. Scott McLaughlin tenth. I mean, basically from those those drivers from sixth on back or fifth on back are only separated by six points. And if you go and stretch it to Malukas and Callum Eilat, who are or 11th and 12th, they're only separated by 11 points. So that's a lot, large cluster there. Um, Oward, Pillow, and Newgarden are all kind of clustered six points between those three. So something to look at as we move forward. Alexander Rossi kind of buried at the moment uh, amongst others that uh, I'm looking at other full-time guys. I mean, the worst full-time guys that are not rookies well, other than Devlin D. Francesco, which is self-explanatory, or not rookie, yeah, is Simon Pagano, the Connor Daly, and Rena's VK. They're all tied with the same amount of points, which is pretty god awful. Um, Root beer floathead, then Alio, and Jack Harvey. Which I mean, last year Jack Harvey was absolute dog shit, so it doesn't surprise me. And Alio's proving. Once again, that he's just basically an oval specialist at this point. He can run road courses in a sports car, but he's not really good at running road courses in an Indy car anymore. Um, and they're probably going to call Tom Blomquist in to replace him uh, for next year. And it looks like it. He's looking like somebody that needs to be replaced. So no offense to all the Alio Castro Neves fans. He can come back to Indy as many times as he wants. He's a god there. Fine. But... He sucks on the majority of tracks that they race on. Yeah, we'll go and move to the Cup Series at Martinsville, the first of uh, three races they had there uh, during the weekend. Kyle Larson comes through late in the race after, you know, kind of just hanging around. I mean, that's what Denny even said. He said it on his show. Uh, Larson really wasn't like the biggest factor in the race. He was on the back end of the top 10 for a good amount of the race and got a couple of stage points, started 19th, but led the last 30 laps of the race to uh, get his first career Martinsville win, 21st career victory. Um, what is it? That's his 11th victory or 12th victory for, for Hendrick Motorsports since he joined them a couple of years ago. Or no, that's got to be more than that because he won. He won two races last year, right? Uh, so ten, yeah. So fourteen. So he had seven victories before he showed up. Oh wait, he to, three races last year. All right, Watkins six victories. Glenn, Tech or Watson Glen Homestead and uh, what's the other one? Oh, California. Yeah. So all right. So thank you, man. Uh, so that means he had six wins before he joined Hendrick Motorsports, and he's won fifteen races since then. Um, in the last what two? two years and now change in terms of this season where he already has two wins. So it took him forever to win a race and cup. And then he started winning them and he had that one good year with Ganassi. And ever since he joined Hendrick, looks like a different guy. Larson led the you know, last 30 laps, as I said, uh, to get that win. 
400 laps instead of 500 as it'll be in the in the fall for the cutoff to get to the final four. Joey Logano was second after being absolutely nowhere most of the day, led 25 laps at one point, was about to get lapped. Uh, Martin Truex went all over the place, ended up finishing third. Danny Hamlin talked about how he was going to have his start his major run, and he had a car that could have done it. He Decent stage points, uh, led 36 laps. Strategy call kind of cost him, he said, on his own show. Chase Briscoe started fourth, finished fifth, got good stage points, and led twice for 109 laps, second highest number of laps led behind his teammate, the pole sitter Ryan Priest. Uh, Eric Almirola had one of the fastest race cars in the whole entire in the whole entire facility and was able to get a sixth out of it. He had a speeding penalty, I believe. That was a major issue yesterday. Uh, Blaney from 31st to 7th, so credit to him. That's probably, of course, Strat, but you know, to come from that far back, you have to have a little bit of ability to pass some people. Uh, oh, Rich- oh, Richard in 8th, which has got to be one of his best finishes he's ever had at Martinsville because he's god-awful there uh daryl walsh jr ninth after starting ninth and william clyde elliott the second from 24th finished 10th uh alex bowman was just outside the top 10 there uh chastain uh led 31 laps from the back from the back after he was about to get lapped by priest he ended up uh saving that and then i think logano got the lucky dog actually that on that first caution or whatever, or at the stage break, uh, Priest led the first 135 laps of the race, and it looked like he was in a different planet, uh, on a different planet. And then he sped on pit road and basically spent the rest of the day trying to get himself back up. And he got 15th out of it, but I think even he would say that he probably should have had a lot more come from this race, kind of mirroring the performance he had at the Coliseum. Uh, with uh, running as fast as he did, um, same as Martin Truex had won at the Coliseum. Suarez started second, got roughed up a little bit, got some stage points, led some laps. Harvick won the second stage and then had issues. I think he had a speeding penalty or something, some sort of penalty. He cut a tire down, uh, kind of went to hell for him, and he went from likely a, a likely top five to 20th. Kyle Busch was getting an argy-bargy with Corey LaJoy, amongst others. It was a pretty bad day for the RCR. Anybody who has RCR connections uh, yesterday, it was it was pretty god-awful. I mean, Dylan actually finished 12th, but he wasn't really that good. That's all strategy. They were garbage. Um, Tyler Reddick had, good, had a really good race car, and he got buried. Byron was considered a favorite by a lot of people. But it didn't happen during the race. Brad Keselowski led laps and got screwed by the timing of yellow. Todd Gilland was running up front for a good amount of the race and then by the end it lost a lap there. So, uh, I mean, Kyle Larson gets the win. He really wasn't the story, but in he gets second win of the year, solidifies his playoff positioning. Uh, some of these other guys were... We're no we're in no man's land and got something out of it. I mean, when you look at I think the drivers from third through sixth, those are all drivers that kind of 
had something to do with the race. I mean, Drex didn't lead any laps and he didn't get stage points, Josh, but he was a fat, he had a fast race car. But when you look at this, the guys who finished fourth, fifth, and sixth, those are three of the best cars uh, yesterday. And uh, got to say, because of strategy and the la- the inability to pass, probably three of the best race cars ended up finishing behind uh, cars that, in Joey Logano's case, had nearly 200 lap older tires, old tires, and didn't have any problem. I They said that they were making aero adjustments and downforce adjustments, horsepower, all that. And the race yesterday might have been worse than the race that they had in November or whatever, October, which determined the final four, mainly because I think there's way more aggression necessary to go and do what they had to do. I mean, what is it? Uh, Briscoe was leading the race and he got moved by Christopher Bell, um, was, you know, clean enough and clean pass and he got moved. It was for a playoff spot, you know, final four spot. And Christopher Bell won that race to get himself into the final four. And uh, so I don't know what you were thinking, Josh, but I mean, Larson's whatever to me, but that racing was not all that compelling. Uh, If Ryan Priest had not made a mistake on that first pit stop, I think we'd be talking about him winning his first race because there's, I would believe he would have been the first guy possibly since um, Jeff Bodine back in North Wilkesboro, 1994, or actually wait, Jeff Burton at New New Hampshire, when they decided to put restrictor plates after all the throttle, two two cars had throttle, you know, the late Adam Petty passed away and also Kenny Irwin passed away in New Hampshire because of throttle stick stuck throttles. So in NASCAR's infinite wisdom, let's put restrictor plates on a on a cars at a track where you need all the horsepower you can get to get off the corners. And Jeff Burton qualified second, took the lead on the first on the first lap and led every lap. That, but I think Ryan Priest could have done that yesterday if um, he had messed up. So. What were your thoughts on the Cup Series race at Martinsville, Josh? Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you there with Ryan Priest uh, potentially leading all over most of the laps. Um, but yeah, speeding penalty took him out. And um, besides the fact that it took him out of you know contention at that point in the race, you know, after 135 laps, um, what really was surprising was um, and showed kind of what the lack of progress is with uh, the current configuration uh, of downforce here is that he wasn't really able to um, make any passes to get back to the front. Um, you know, he stayed mired uh, in 20th, uh, was close to falling a lap behind uh, about the same time Bubba Wallace fell a lap down to Denny Hamlin uh, in the middle of stage two. Uh, but, you know, he, he uh, fought back to, you know, like around 15th, but really nothing more than that. Uh, and that's where he ended up staying. So kind of a disappointing ending there for Priest and shows like just how difficult it is to pass with this car. Um, you know, on the other hand, Bubba Wallace also kind of had the same situation on the same pit stop. So did Truex. They both had speeding penalties, but they ended up recovering to finish back in the top 10, but they had to use a uh, strategy uh, to get back up there. Uh, you know, he Wallace uh, and Martin Truex, um, maybe Wallace fell a lap down and everything got, you know, lucky dog, but, you know, the, or well, was part of that, but, you know, he um, used Pitt's strategy to get back uh, up there and, um, you know, he's able to 
get back into you know at least the top 10 and recover so um both of those cars had good good pace so at least you know they were able to um get something out of it but then you know chase briscoe got into the lead stayed there for you know over 100 laps uh get a top five finish Danny hamlin led laps and was up there um but then it just seemed like you know tires mattered enough to where you know you were if you were on older tires coming off of a restart um you'd get passed but it didn't matter enough to you know where you know maybe you're the best car like ryan priest or seemingly the best car because you know honestly whoever won the poll could have been anybody right um there so somebody winning the uh poll lead the first 135 laps and gets taken out by something and can't make his way back up uh so there's still a little bit of ways to go in terms of uh tire where we're able to do that and um you know denny hamlin talked about on his podcast the um horsepower and stuff that they still need more horsepower and everything which i agree with um and it seems like for every you know 50 horsepower they take away it basically leads to about uh two seconds uh difference in fall off per per horsepower or something like that um or 50 horsepower so um as they take away downforce or taking away power it seems like the uh you know the amount of uh fall off on lap times uh gets gets faster so or you know increases so um you know, there isn't really a ton of fall off. And, you know, it seemed like, you know, in this race, you know, Larson obviously started, he didn't start up front on the last restart, right? He was um in uh, fourth place. So he still had to make a couple of passes, but, you know, he was able to get up there uh, in relatively quick time and, and drive away. So um, tires mattered to a degree, but um, not enough uh, to what, you know, I think people want for a short track race and, you know, for it to, you know, to really truly matter. So there is some improvements, but still, you know, not enough. And that was kind of, you know, what people I think were looking out for, you know, especially with, uh, you know, how it looked in Phoenix with this package and everything. So clearly still uh, a lot of work to do. And, you know, of course, uh, even Clint Boyer, you know, who's basically been a yes man on the broadcast went on Twitter today and said that the package sucks and um, that they need to improve it, but confident that they'll figure out a solution. Um, so, you know, we'll see, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the race, you know, what, what we saw on Sunday. I mean, um, you know, there was some, you know, some passing through the field, but not really in up front where it mattered the most, uh, not too much that happened. And most of it, you know, happened off of, off of a uh, pit road and, you know, whoever was able to get the lead, uh, coming out of the pits on a caution or, uh, on a restart. So, um, yeah, I mean, not really, uh, too much to take away here, uh, from the cup series race at Martinsville. Um, of course, uh, Chase Elliott came back from, uh, his, uh, accident in the uh snowboarding you know back in uh march now back in the race car finished top 10 uh here so solid uh start you know after injury and everything and um at least uh you know with the injury and everything looks like um he can at least uh you know perform okay enough uh to you know to be able to um you know hang in there with uh, the rest of the guys so um yeah it is what it is right now in Martinsville and guess uh, we move on to uh, Talladega and um, you know, all the mile and a half that we have coming up here on the rest of the schedule. 
Yeah, and with, I mean, you also have to consider Chase Briscoe, who had a injured left uh, middle finger on the lower part. Uh, he injured it in the late model, and he joked around that basically their season turned around after he goes and has that injury. Uh, you could see in his Instagram post with his son, Brooks, going and playing around on the car and making sure all the parts are good for dad, uh, that that chase had a briscoe had a different type of glove to go and compensate for the i guess the splint or whatever they had on that finger and for him to get through 500 laps at martinsville and run top five for a vast majority of the race a credit to him two consecutive top five finishes for chase briscoe and that 14 team one of the best uh results and performances by the by the Stuart Haas racing team and for a while and uh, a lot to be said about that uh, with considering how bad they have been they've been getting outrun by the likes of Front Row Motorsports and um, you know Roush Fenway now too I mean it's it's kind of it's pretty weak so in terms of the driver points leading in at Talladega, um, Chris or whatever Christopher Bell leads the overall point standings with 302. Uh, he leads Ross Chastain by five. Uh, Kevin Harvick is third, and then Kyle Larson is fourth. Of course, Kyle Larson has two wins, same as William Byron. So they, um, at the moment, theoretically lead the playoff standings and then you go through the rest of the drivers three four five seven different drivers have won so far in nine races then you have chastain who's the defending race winner at talladega harvick truex denny hamlin or truex rounds out of the top 10 and denny hamlin ryan blaney alex bowman brad keselowski chase briscoe and christopher busher uh round out the 16 and uh so there's that's the there are points at the moment. Uh, you got to take that, you know, for what it is because there's, uh, and you have to, I think the playoff points is one thing you have to look at. And William Byron now is behind Kyle Larson in playoff points by two. And then there's a close battle after that for the rest of those placings. Uh, William Clyde Elliott, the second is 31st points at the moment of course they don't have that whole top 30 thing anymore so it doesn't really matter um he's 22 points behind noah gagson for 30th yeah so that's something to look at of course i think he's looking to try to win at talladega and get himself locked in um trying to look through here yeah the busher is the 16th and they're uh, he's up by six points on both daniel suarez and michael mcdowell and nine points on Austin Sindrick, and then what is it? Thirteen points on Keebler Gibbs, who is twentieth. Uh, Austin Dillon is uh, in twenty-first. Bubba Wallace in twenty-second. Uh, some of the other ones. Alan Marola actually moved up three spots in points. Ryan Priest is there behind him. But what it shows is that Briscoe had a couple has had a couple of good runs in a row, and all of a sudden. Uh, He's and gotten some solid stage points, and he's went from being basically with his teammates Almirola and Priest to into the back end of the playoffs. So shows what stage points can do, and actually performing halfway decently as well. The Xfinity Series race kind of had a similar feel 
at uh, Martinsville. Uh, they really weren't. There wasn't a whole lot going on in that deal. Call 811.com to 50 was uh, pretty much a bore fest. And uh, John Hunter Nemechek destroyed, won both stages, led 198 of the races, 250 laps. Um, only one other driver led double-digit laps, and that was Josh Berry, who had issues at times but came back. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek wins. His teammate, Sammy Smith, finishes second. Cole Custer third after starting on pole. Uh, Barry fourth. Bruckshot Jones fifth. Justin Allgaier sixth. Daniel Hemrick. Derek Krause seventh and eighth. Brett Moffitt ninth. And Chandler Smith in tenth. So all three, all three uh, college cars in the top ten. And uh, three of the four JRM cars there, along with two Gibbs cars. And then two Stuart Haas. Fords, uh, the Moffat car is a Stuart Haas prepared machine along with the regular Stuart Haas car of Cole Custer. Basically, you see all that right there. That's where uh, all the racing was. I mean, Mayor and Riley Herbst uh, got into it there late. Uh, what is it, 98-119? Or no, that was because of uh, Ryan QX running over Sam Mayer, and that took out... Uh, that took out, uh, what do you call, um, Riley Herps and also involved uh, Jeb Burton, but he was able to keep going and end up finishing 14th, actually. Truex was uh, 12th, right behind Parker Retzlaff, uh, who, fin- who started 4th, uh, finished 11th. I ended up picking, for once, I actually picked a winner in John Hunter. I didn't think it was going to be that dram- that epic but he did it and then he burned his car down uh like zane smith i think somebody has to get to these people and say when they run those mud flaps or whatever that they run on the car maybe you shouldn't go and do burnouts uh basically hit sit on the wall and do those burn like those massive nhra burnouts because you're gonna burn the car down or truck down just a thought but uh yeah go through some of these other people so, yeah, those guys, I don't see anybody else of any great significance. Austin Hill actually led eight laps at one point during the night. Herbst had had some good stage points, and Sam Mir scored stage points in the first stage. Uh, pretty straightforward, even, and it was a pretty short race. I mean, they even with 10 cautions, uh, you look at, and also like for Brett Moffat to come back from spinning early in the race to get back in the top 10. Uh, Caden Honeycutt, who had starred in the Truck race at uh, Bristol, blew an engine in the 74 car, which is not surprising because they're not used to actually have running a race. Then you have, I'm trying to go look through here. Yeah, what is it? Uh, Joe Graff Jr. got completely used up by Ryan Ellis, and I think a lot of people were happy about that. Uh, soon after that, there was a caution for... Four drivers that kind of don't really have anything to do with it. LeBay, the 07, which was driven by, trying to see who, you know, Dawson Cram, former guest of the show, um, Leland Honeyman, or whatever the hell his name is, and then the 28 of Kyle Sieg, so then another Sieg car got destroyed. Then the 92 of uh, Josh Williams got spun, 51 of uh, Jeremy Clements. Yeah, so... Cole Custer led the first five laps, and Nemechek led for like nearly 60 
then Hill took over and Barry Smith outside of a pocket of five laps for Justin Allgaier. John Hunter led from lap 107 till the end. Uh, so it was a proper baptism. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek goes out there and gets that victory. I mean, I don't really know what to say. Uh, there really wasn't anything else that was going on. I, Barry had to come back from some uh, turmoil at times during the race, which seems to be the thing every single week, Josh, but uh, he's still coming up with finishes. Uh, but John Hunter Nemechek kind of has a similar feeling to his truck uh, season a couple of years ago where he ended up winning a lot of races, having a lot of momentum. And then when push came to shove in the playoffs, uh, he melted down and uh, wasn't able to close the deal um, at Phoenix. But right now he's looking pretty good, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, he's looking pretty good. Obviously, he's been fairly dominant to start the year. Um, this one, yeah, no different, of course. And um, I think the fire celebration, like you said, is very metaphorical for um, how he's performed so far uh, this season. Of course, two wins, four top fives, and seven top ten finishes to start off the year after only uh, eight races and uh, rightfully leading the points lead uh, so far to start the year. So, yeah, he's literally on fire this year and can't blame him. And, um, you know, think Joe Gibbs Racing, you know, their organization, um, same performance as they've been performing since last year. And, um, you know, they continue with uh, John Hunter. And, of course, looks like, yeah, his uh, 2021 uh, form with uh, Joe or Kyle Busch Motorsports, um, and uh, showing that you know he's eventually going to uh, get a cup ride, is probably deserving of one. But we'll have to see you know later on in a few years um, if he's able to uh, you know to get one. And of course, teammate Sammy Smith finishing seventh or second. So uh, Toyota Joe Gibbs won two, and he led a couple laps there as well. So um, yeah, they performed admirably, of course. And then um, you have uh, Josh Berry, like we we're talking about. Um, you know, the only one really to lead any significant amount of laps other than uh, John Hunter there. Um, so, you know, he uh, was able to really, uh, you know, get in a top five finish. Um, yeah, this, I mean, yeah, like, like I agree with what you said, you know, not not too much happened really in this race. Um, and it's just all all John Hunter Nemechek, of course. Um, you know, Sam Ayer got in an accident, of course, you know, towards the end. Uh, so he's, you know, the only... And him and uh, Riley Herbst both uh, got into it along with uh, the 19 and the 27. So, um, yeah, two uh, top names or at least, you know, regularly performing names in this series taken out late in the running. Um, you know, you had um, you had that happen, of course. Uh, Sheldon Creed had some beef uh, with the colleague cars, of course. Colleague Racing, uh, one of the, you know, vendors or customers of rcr that they, they get equipment and support from and sheldon creed had some beef of course talking about how it seems like the colleague guys are the ones that uh you know don't have uh, a whole lot of respect for them and their their own customers so um gotta wonder where the love is on that but it seems like you know it's encouraged by matt colleague and chris rice uh, for their drivers to be uber aggressive uh you know in this series so um Maybe Sheldon Creed shouldn't be surprised by that when you look at it uh, from how the owners want it and the managers over there want it, but still like to see uh, you know more respect from the guys that you get or to the guys that you get your equipment from. But 
yeah, not not too much happened in this race, and you know certainly, um, uh, yeah, John Honer. I mean, could be a sign of things to come for at least the rest of the regular season. Uh, you know, here in the Xfinity Series, we'll in until the playoffs, we'll see if John Hunter Nemechek is able to you know run away with uh, you know the Xfinity title, similar you know how he took the regular season title a few years ago in the Truck Series. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, plenty of time to go. Uh, Talladega coming up, which means Austin Hill's gonna probably star there. He's made a made his uh, bones at the plate type track so great opportunity for him there uh, he started out smoking uh, uh, three wins in the first five races it's been a little bit rough since then uh, the last three austin texas of course coda and richmond and now martinsville going to talladega then they'll run dover they'll take a week off in between that and then they'll go to darlington another week off charlotte and then from charlotte on they're gonna be i don't know you're not i, I was wrong i was about to say it from charlotte on but they have another week off in between snoroma which will be the first time they run there and then nashville which will be the first uh, race for the nbc crew and then from then on they're gonna be running for a while there yeah, until texas they're gonna run every week until Texas, which is pretty bad. We're pretty rough for what little money they make. Um, points right now, John Hunter Nemechek leads the Xfinity point standings uh, by 21 over Austin Hill, the two dominant figures so far the in the Xfinity season, series. Um, playoff points, Austin Hill has 18 to John Hunter's 13, but I figure that's going to keep on going up. Um, Chandler Smith is third. In points, Riley Herbst, even with the rough finish on Saturday, is fourth. Josh Berry rounds out the top five. Um, nine points separating Chandler Smith to Josh Berry. Um, Allgaier, Sammy Smith, Cole Custer, Daniel Hemrick, and Sheldon Creed rounding out the top ten. Sam Mayer and Parker Kligerman uh, rounding out the twelve. There's nobody outside of the top 12 right now that has won a race. So you know, Parker Kligerman leads Buckshot Jones by nine points. He leads Ryan Sieg by 14. And then it's a much bigger gap after that. Uh, opportunity race, of course, coming up this weekend at Talladega. So for somebody who is outside of that top 12 right now, uh, a team, a smaller team trying to go and get in like Jeremy Clements did at Daytona last year. You know, Jeffrey Earnhardt drove for Richard Childress and had Larry McReynolds on the pit box and almost won the race, this race last year. There are other people there. I mean, we'll get into the preview for Talladega, but you know, some people, even Kligerman to be fair, because he's been pretty good over the years on super speedways. Truck Series race showed us something we had never seen before, which is racing on a oval in the wet, um, albeit I think it was more damp than wet um, in the Long John Silver 200. You know, that This race was basically the same kind of deal as the Xfinity. Not a whole lot of movement. The top seven drivers were basically the top seven drivers most of the night for the exception of Christian Eckes, who uh, fell back late. And then you have 
whatever, Sawlich and Colby Howard just scored points. Corey Heim led 82 of the races, 124 laps, because they shortened the race due to weather. Kyle Busch finished second. Zane Smith finished third after starting on pole. So um, Corey Heim and uh, what do you call, uh, what do they call that stupid team? Uh, uh, DGR, what used to be DGR Crosley or whatever, or David Gillen Racing, Tri, tri Pod Tricon Garage uh, gets their first uh, victory um, of the season. Kyle Busch close. I I picked him. You picked Ross Chastain, and Ross Chastain definitely did not have anything this weekend. Uh, coming back to the side of the Hail Melon, he definitely had nothing um, in whatever vehicle he was driving. But um, yeah, Corey Heim gets the victory. They go and use those uh, damp weather tires to essentially dry the track. Um, and then they ran them through the first stage. Uh, but really, there weren't a whole lot that came out of it. They had a competition yellow. Then they had a stage one uh, conclusion and a red flag for 24 minutes. Then they got the race back on and had a couple more spins, including uh, Stewball. And then uh, the 43 of Daniel Dye. And then the ra- the race ending caution was uh, Carson Osevar being Carson Osevar, um, trying to clean out um, Taylor Gray and failing, and then got a two-lap penalty in the process. So coming off of uh, his first career victory a few weeks ago, which involved having an accident happen there, um we see yet again another example of why people hate Carson Osevar and the way he drives. But Corey Heim gets the victory, Josh, uh, and it was him and Kyle Busch the whole night. There really wasn't anything else going on. Um, Heim, Busch, Zane Smith, Ty Majeski, Tanner Gray, the top five. So two of the Tricon Toyotas there. Ben Rhodes, Matt Burrito, Taylor Gray, William Sowelich, so... What is that? Four, all four of those uh, team trucks finish in the top nine. And then Chase Purdy rounds out the top 10. Nick Sanchez just outside. Chastain ended up coming back and finishing 12th, but uh, he really wasn't that good. So, I mean, that's that's really all there. I mean, Corey Heim dominated, won both stages, took advantage of the situation there, and uh, he's uh, given himself a good, uh, solid place probably in the in the playoffs because i don't see many i don't see more than 10 winners uh in the truck series this year there are some competitive drivers and some competitive teams but i don't think there's gonna be more than 10 winners and heim right now actually is fourth in points only a point ahead of ekis uh, but both of them are winners so far they've won some stages they have some decent uh playoff points uh but uh yeah, Corey Heim, uh, good job for what is now the factory Toyota team and their number one prospect in the truck series, more than likely um, getting that victory at Martinsville on on damp weather tires. Yeah, of course, and you know on damp weather tires, so it's pretty impressive. Uh, the first time you know we've ever seen in NASCAR, at least, uh, wet weather racing on ovals, and um, I mean honestly, it didn't really look all that different. Uh, which maybe that's a good thing, right? Um, and of course, you know that when they were on on the wet, I mean, I think it works best when the track is uh, 
you know, damp more more so than wet. I mean, if you have a lot of wet, really wet spots, uh, you know, opportunities to hydroplane, um, that's, you know, not not really good. I mean, we still see that on the road courses at times when they have raced on wet tires uh, where you have, um, you know, puddles and stuff, uh, you know, throughout the track. So, um, of course, a lot of debate, you know, among fans uh, and uh, you know, drivers, people in the industry on how, where, you know, if they really got what they, um, invested in with, uh, these wet weather tires and, you know, they didn't use them enough, um, when it was actually wet, but then on the other hand, um, they stopped the race, uh, you know, on a good note, uh, cause it was maybe too wet for the wet weather tires. Uh, a lot of debate there, of course. And I mean, there's really only one way to find out. I mean, then again, if they had kept it you know, green or kept going, uh, throughout the race and, um, you know, have an accident because the car went through a puddle and hydroplane into the wall, you know, there's not really uh, a lot of room to recover from that. Um, of course, uh, road course, you know, if you hydroplane or something, you have an opportunity to at least go into, uh, the gravel trap or, you know, into the grass or something. So, you know, you don't really have that, uh, opportunity on an oval per se. So that's something to consider there. Um, but, you know, uh, good debut, I guess, for uh, wet weather racing. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll have to see later on in the year uh, if we get another short track event uh, in any of the series, you know, where we see the opportunity for uh, potentially putting on the wet tires and maybe maybe we might see a different outcome. You know, what if it rains at North Wilkesboro or something at the All-Star Race or uh, for, you know, the trucks uh, in their race? Uh, you know, could we potentially see a... Um, you know, wet weather event happen, and that might be interesting because that track has a lot of uh, tire wear, of course. And how would a wet weather tire fare up against a uh, track like that? And you know, have they uh, considered? You know, I mean, obviously they've already done testing and stuff, but um, did they ever, you know, do any testing on a, a wet condition uh, with a track like North Wilkesboro? I, probably not. So I think uh, we'll have to see how that plays out, but. Uh, you know, hopefully that event in general doesn't get uh, rained out or get affected by rain because, you know, there's obviously rain kind of puts a damper on things, uh, you know, especially for a big event like that coming up next month. So we'll have to see. But, yeah, Corey Heim, of course, uh, yeah, putting him in a good position for playoffs uh, later in the year um, and everything. So, uh, yeah, he's definitely, you know, good good for that of course and you know showing you know what he can do in this series um and you know look to see him uh you know later on in the year and you know if he's able to make any noise uh, in the playoffs and go on a good run potentially you know a championship type run maybe he'd be a guy that could challenge uh zane smith of course and kyle bush finishing second obviously he was frustrated after the race he saw his comments about you know being able to race on the wet he was obviously you know very critical and probably because could have had a chance to take home the 100th victory for his organization so uh probably probably wanted that milestone victory really bad and everything of course still the winningest driver in the truck series so can wait for another day so i'm uh, sure somebody else can win it or next time uh he's in the truck he can win it and get that 100th victory there uh but yeah i mean you know not too much outside of this uh wet weather experiment which i think you know gave gave a chance for some novelty and uh everything but um at the end of the day um you know not what didn't really look you know, any different from what we norm would normally see, uh, you know, results wise. So, um, at least good job on, uh, you know, all the, you know, organization, all the drivers and everything for, 
least maintaining throughout the rain and everything and we didn't see anything too crazy like arc or breaks or anything like that so that was good but yeah i mean um nothing really else to uh, talk about from uh that race uh, of course yeah that's basically what it was it was a snoozer and when you add the fact that you have um i think jamie little was calling that race it might be i remember but i wasn't watching much of it but uh yeah, Heim getting his third career truck series win. Big deal for him. Kyle Busch has two more races uh, to run this year in his truck. They'll be running in Kansas in three weeks' time, so they'll have some time off here. Before they get back into it, uh, the points, time at Jeski, six top tens in seven races, average finish of fifth. Uh, that's pretty sporty. Uh, Zane Smith, the defending series champion, 26 points behind but has two wins ben rhodes third Corey heim fourth christian eckes fifth as i mentioned only one point separating heim and eckes grant Enfinger, matt crafton tanner gray matt d burrito and chase purdy who was tied with his pseudo teammate nick sanchez uh, for the last playoff spot uh, at the moment so that's something to look at i don't think that that tie will last because nick sanchez is a way better driver and probably will win sooner rather than later. Jake Garcia, who missed Daytona, is eligible. I think they gave him a waiver if he can win. So he's 12th in points. The McAnally Hilgeman team doing really well. Josevar is 13th, uh, but he has a win. So he'll he's basically in fourth amongst that. So right now, I guess that means fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. So Grand Enfinger actually. If we take into account all the drivers that have won, Enfinger is on the bump uh, by two points on Matt Craft and 10 on Tanner Gray. And then once you get past those guys, uh, it gets a little tighter. So uh, something to look into. The likes of Stuart Friesen, who's had some struggles this year uh, trying to go, and he needs to get a victory uh, at some point. Uh, he's only one point behind Carson Osevar, which kind of speaks to how bad he's run most of the year other than getting that victory at Texas got other people out there like Haley Deegan and Tyler Ankrum uh, kind of in the weeds there Colby Howard Raja Carruth the rookie Chris Wrong um, in 19th Timmy Hill missed a race for whatever reason it's illogical um, when you're actually competitive ish and uh, you miss a miss a race when you could possibly backdoor uh, a playoff spot I think the worst driver who has run every race is Dean Thompson. And we say that after Dean Thompson had probably the best race of his career at Texas and it went to hell in that ARCA break crash. Uh, Brett Holmes and Daniel Dyer are the ones that are buried pretty good. You know, three weeks' time, we'll talk about the trucks again. Uh, Stephen Malazzi, it was interesting. He finished dead last in the truck race, but he drove to Martinsville. Um, jumped in that 22 truck and raced, albeit not that long, but he raced. Then jumped back in his car to get back to uh, North Carolina to go to work as a server at a at a Italian restaurant or something. I, it was on his, uh, I, I retweeted it because it was pretty cool to me, that a guy who's trying to make, you know, he has this dream to make it in racing and he's grinding as a server, a waiter, to go in between while he's driving a truck in between that. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Nick Sanchez, they also announced uh, earlier in the weekend that uh, 
Um, Nick Sanchez is going to run a throwback to Mario Andretti's Daytona 500 win uh, for the Darlington uh, Darlington throwback weekend, which is pretty badass, albeit, you know, it's on a Chevy instead of a Ford. Um, Mario Andretti will be at Darlington to uh, see this uh, see this vehicle up close. So that'll be great to have one of the greatest drivers ever lived uh, of all time go and uh, uh, be at Darlington Raceway uh, for that uh, vehicle to race. Let's move on to the uh, GSP roundup here. A uh, few things to go over. Uh, Supercross was at Atlanta Motor Speedway, and uh, Chase Sexton dominated the main event to get uh, another victory. Go through all of this. Let's go and get the official results. Chase Sexton, the winner, led uh, fifteen all fifteen laps. Um, didn't get the whole shot. Roxon got the whole shot, but he passed him and uh, on that first lap and took the victory over Justin Barsha, Roxon, Cooper Webb, and Eli Tomac, Aaron Plessinger, Adam Cianciarulo, Dean Wilson, Colt Nichols, and Justin Hill rounded out the top 10. The point standings going into the next round, which I th- believe is, uh, is well, it's this weekend at East Rutherford, no less. Wow. Okay. Uh... Now, so they're racing at uh, 7 p.m. on Saturday. I got to see if there might be tickets. It's huh, interesting. There might be something to actually go to a Supercross race. I wonder if I could find anybody else to go with me on short notice. Um, the championship standings, Eli Tomac leads by six over Cooper Webb, 17 on Chase Sexton. So that win was huge based on Webb fourth, Tomac fifth. So now he's back in the mix. Uh, Barsha and Roxon only separated by a point for fourth and fifth. Um, Anderson and Plessinger separated by a point for sixth and seventh. Cian Cerullo, Christian Craig, five points, eighth and ninth. And then Justin Hill uh, rounds out the top 10. In the 250 um, East race, it was Hunter Lawrence, even though uh, there were other people up there uh, that had a chance and definitely looked good. Um, hey, Danger Boy Hayden Deegan led a couple of laps and battled with Hunter Lawrence, but in the end, uh, he uh, went out there and got yet another victory. Hunter Lawrence, Jordan Smith, Hayden Deegan, the podium finishers, Joe Shimoda, Max Anstey, uh, Henry Miller, Chris Blos, Talon Hawkins, and Cullen Park. There's some interesting names with these white people. Um, I would say that yeah, I say that elsewhere, but man. Uh, Nate Thrasher wrecked and fell out of the race. Uh, he was running up front early. And then Jeremy Martin as well, another one. The point standings sees uh, Hunter Lawrence, who's won six races, six of the seven races, I believe. Yeah, six of the seven races so far in the East uh, Series. He, he leads by 45 points on... Hayden Deegan, Max Anstey's 10 points behind Deegan, Thrasher 12, Jordan Smith 17, and then 21 to Jeremy Martin, who's in sixth. So that's something to look at as they race at uh, in uh, MetLife Stadium this coming weekend. The 
for the last, I think, or next to last East race uh, of the regular season. There will be one more West race at Denver at Mile High Stadium and Power Field or whatever uh, prior to the championship finale, an East-West showdown. So two more, or actually the, this next this weekend's race at, at uh, MetLife is going to be an East-West showdown as well. Uh, so that's interesting. That's going to make it a little spicier. So the Lawrence brothers will be racing each other, battling for a victory. Of course, they'll get points for their own specific championships, but they'll also be racing for an overall um, something to definitely look at here this coming weekend. And the weather, I'm not so sure about the the weather at this point. Doesn't look great. So got to keep that in mind. IMSA at Long Beach uh saw the Porsche team Porsche team Penske get their uh, first victory uh Nick Tandy and Matthew Jaminet get the victory uh by just under a second over Connor D Filippi and Nick Yellowly uh, on the BMW uh M uh, hybrid V8 what do you call Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan team and then the other Porsche Matt Campbell, Felipe Nazar finishes third, uh, 2.9 seconds behind. And then Philip Ang, Augusto Farfis finished fourth. Pippo Durrani, Alexander Sims had to pit, you know, and then they lost a lot of time. Tom Blumquist and Colin Braun ended up being a lap behind. They had issues during the day. But the big story was Ricky Taylor and Philippe Albuquerque, they were in a position to possibly try and win that race with fresher tires and um, Ricky Taylor tried to shoot the moon and it didn't work out and he crashed in the turn one tires. So unfortunate result there. It's been uh, missed opportunities. I mean, first at uh, the 12 hours of Sebring, which was, you know, that was also done by Penske Porsches and then now at Long Beach. In the GTD Pro category, the Vassar Sullivan Lexus of Jack Hawksworth and Ben Barnacote were the winners uh, over Antonio Garcia and Jordan Taylor in the Corvette. Klaus Bockler and Patrick Pillay in the FAF Porsche was third. In GTD, the Paul Miller Racing BMW of uh, Brian Sellers and Madison Snow were the victors. And then Roman DeAngelis, Marco Sorensen for Harder Racing their teammate, the pro category, harder racing car finished behind them. And then third place was Fran- Frankie Monicalvo and Aaron Tielitz in the other Vassar Sullivan um, Lexus. So good job by that team this past weekend. Their result, uh, Sebastian Bourdais and Ringer Vanderzanda basically didn't even have a race because Bourdais locked his rear wheels on the start or basically going into turn one and crashed and that eliminated him. Uh, that was a brutal deal for him. Uh, there was also a couple of cars, Ashton Harrison, Philip Hyatt, uh, and they both crashed in qualifying, and that was a, a bad situation. Both those cars were damaged enough to where they couldn't race. So that was uh, unfortunate for those drivers and those teams. We'll get into the points since I think their uh their next race in the schedule I'm trying to see uh I don't know why I'm doing that. 
That doesn't work. That's not what I'm trying to do. Um, the point standings going uh, into the next round. Pepo Durrani and Alexander Sims are tied. Uh, and Jack Aiken, uh, who runs, I don't know how they're tied. That makes no sense because Jack Aiken, oh, they haven't put the points up for Long Beach on the IMSA website. Good job, guys. Uh, they were, the 31 team was up by 10 on the the Wayne Taylor Racing Andretti Autosport car. The 01 Cadillac was third. The BMW 24 car was uh, fourth. And then the Porsche of Tandy and Jaminé was fifth, so they'll move up. The other Porsche was right behind them. And the Phil thing, luckily, and Gusto Farfist there. So the points aren't updated, so I can't even give you a points update if I wanted to. Uh, the uh, MotoGP and Moto2 race at Portimao, or not Portimao, Coda. Why am I thinking Portimao? I don't know. Uh, Alex Rins gets the victory in the Americas Grand Prix, the U.S. Grand Prix at Coda on the LCR Honda, which is crazy to think, considering how much Honda has struggled uh, in recent years. Rins coming off of the Suzuki factory ride and well known for having a lot of speed but crashing a lot ended up uh pressing pressing the defending world champion uh peco bagnaya uh, into a mistake early lots of crashing they didn't even have 15 classified riders by the end of the race there were so many wrecks um in that deal so Alex Rins gets the victory by 3.49 seconds over Luca Marini, and Fabio Quattararo was third, and then Maverick Vinales fourth, and Miguel Oliveira finishes fifth. So two Aprilias in the top five, four different manufacturers represented in the top four. Bisecki coming off his first career victory finished sixth, Zarco seventh, Franco Morbidelli eighth. Fabio Di Antonio ninth and Augusto Fernandez in tenth. Michele Piro filling in um, uh, on the second Ducati finished eleventh. Jonas Folger, former Moto Two World Champion, uh, filling in for Pola Spargo on the Gas Gas Tech Three KTM finished twelfth, and then Brad Binder who went off the track or fell in the Late uh, tight complex there before the, uh, what you might call the opposite version of the turn eight at uh, Turkey um, finished last of the riders that were classified. Brattle filling in on the second Honda uh, or on the, the Honda for Mark Marquez um, crashed out. Taka Nakagami on another. All the three Hondas are all there together. Joanne Mir, the former teammate of. Alex Rins and a former world champion, Peco Bagnaya, Rove Fernandez, Jack Miller. Uh, those were all guys that were out. Alex Marquez, Alicia Spargaro, and Jorge Martin were involved in the first lap incident. Alex Marquez had the worst of it. And had, I think he had to be taken off on a, on one of the boards or on a backboard. So not great in that sense for those guys. Uh, the point standings moving forward, Bezeki leads by 11 over Peko Bagnaya. Alex Rins moves up to third, uh, 17 points behind. Vinales is in fourth and Zarco fifth. 
you know, Marini, Quattro, Alex Marquez, Binder, and Morbidelli rounding out the top 10. Uh, yeah, I mean, even Raul Fernandez has actually scored points. Uh, trying to go and see the, yeah, trying to go and see the seasons. Uh, uh, Bisecki, Paco Bagnaia, Rins. Oh, that's from this past week at the U.S. Grand Prix. I was trying to go and find uh, some of the other information in terms of some of the other riders because I'm looking, trying to find out some of the people that were called off weren't able to race. But I'm going, he's out Excuse me. Pedro Acosta wins the uh, Moto2 race on Red Bull KTM over Tony Arbolino. Bo Bendisnyer uh, went through uh, to finish third. So that was the race there, the top three. Uh, Jeremy Alcoba and his teammate Philippe Salik finished fourth and fifth. Teammates Fermin Aldeguer and Alonso Lopez were sixth and seventh. Aaron Kinnett, Celestino Vietti, and Manuel Gonzalez round out the top ten. Uh, Joe Roberts finished in 16th, just outside of the points. Sean Dylan Kelly, the other American, finished 18th. His teammate, Roy Skinner, finished behind him. So a pretty poor performance for American connected or just American riders in the Moto2 race, unfortunately, on their home in their home race itself. So the standings in Moto2, uh, that's not, yeah, there you go. In Moto2, Arbolino leads by seven over Acosta. Kinnett is 20 points back. So I would say that basically it's a battle between Arbolino and Acosta in the uh, Moto2 championship. I'm trying to look through. Roberts is four points this year. SDK is one of a few riders that hasn't scored uh, points so far in the season the um next uh next race is uh wec at portamao uh which you know per usual toyota gets the victory and uh you know no surprise there but you go and look at how you know some of the other cars that finished around them the ferrari and porsche end up on the podium so credit to those teams for their performance in the gtp category at Algarve. Um I don't know where the it's I don't know what classification. Yeah, there you go. So the Toyota won by a lap. The eight of Buemi, Hartley and Hirakawa by a lap over the fifty Ferrari of Fuco, Molina and Nielsen. The six Porsche of Kevin Estra, Andre Lauder and Lawrence Vantor finished third. The Cadillac, uh Ganassi Cadillac, Bamber, Lynn and Westbrook uh fourth. So two of the uh, LMDH cars in the top four is promising, uh, to say the least, uh, amongst all these factory cars. The Peugeots actually made it the entire race. Uh, Peugeots are fourth and sixth. The other Ferrari split them. The Glickenhaus car was eighth, and the second Toyota was seven laps down in ninth place, um, tied with finished uh, at the same number of laps uh, as the winner of the LMP2 category, United Autosport, number 23, with Josh Pearson, Guido Vandergaarder, and Oliver Jarvis, over their teammate Lou Ben, Phil Hansen, Ben Hanley. Team WRT rounds out the podium with Rui Andrade, 
Robert Kubica and Louis Delatras. Dorian Pin, the lady driver Bortolotti and Danny Caviet, who uh, was recently signed to run for the Lamborghini team. Fourth for the Prema team, the Hertz team Joda sport car of uh, Antonio Felix da Casa, Yaya Fay, and David Beckman. Uh, 14th place, but fifth in class. The Corvette Racing, number 33, uh, Ben Keating, Verona, Nikki Katzberg wins GTM uh, by just over two tenths of a second over the Re- Richard Meal, AF Corsa, Ferrari of Perez, Kopenak, Wadu, and Rivera. And then the Iron Dames get uh, a podium, uh, Bovi, Gadding, and Rahel Frey. To um, so that's a good job by them uh, to get a podium. Three different manufacturers represented: Chevy, Ferrari, and Porsche in the uh, race. There, you now trying to look through the Japanese Aston Martin car only made forty-two laps. The Floyd Van Wall uh, hyper car only ran one hundred seventy-four laps. Not shocking. Uh, the Porsche nine. The number five Porsche of Cameron Christensen and Makowicki had issues and was the last classified uh, finisher in 35th. So you go and look through all of that, get into um, the points and uh, their points going into the Spa 1,000 kilometers um, at in, uh, I don't even know what this layout is. It's such a bad layout yeah so the the wc website for all the money they have is god awful so they'll be racing there in uh two weeks time less than two weeks time they'll be racing at spa for the six hours of spa so that'll be a great race there let's see and maybe hear some of that horsepower uh of the of those Cadillacs, which actually just out of curiosity, just by looking at it, the other Cadillac uh, Ganassi car with Sebastian Bourdais and Renger Van der Zander are going to race in the Spa Six Hour. Um, interestingly, uh, so that'll be a welcome addition um, to the hypercar category. Uh, I'm trying to go and see if there's any other people or cars or. Things are a little different. No, there's still an LMP2. Pietro Fittipaldi, David Heinmeier, Hansen, and Oliver Rasmussen, and one of the Jota cars. Um, Alpines, that's the other. Oh, they're actually, it says they're going to be in a, so the Hertz team Jota Porsche is going to debut uh, at uh, Spa. So that'll be great to see with Antonio Felix da Costa, Will Stevens, and Ye Yefe. Um uh, so that'll be nice. To add, nice addition to the field. Another hypercar there. And go through the rest of these. The two Peugeots, seven oh eight, and the seven seven seven. So that's the. We'll get into that in a few weeks' time. Uh, record thirteen extra Cadillac. Oh, great to see that. Um, Anthony Davidson, yeah, twenty fourteen WC World Champion. Yeah, um, now. He's actually working with Pujo. Didn't know that until just now. And then I went over those other two classes and I'm getting into points. I think it's more important when we get to Lamar with the way the points are. NHRA, as I mentioned earlier, four wide nationals. Let's go and get into those. Uh, one that, of course, matters most to me is Tony Stewart ended up going out there 
and winning in top alcohol dragster, you know, which is pretty badass. Um, in top alcohol funny car, Doug Gordon gets uh, another victory. Uh, he's a defending world champion, so credit uh, to him. Tony Stewart gets the victory by three ten thousandths of a second over Mike over uh, Todd Bruce, and then uh, Chris Demke and Mike Coughlin rounded out your drivers in that final quad. In pro stock, Dallas Glenn continues to dominate uh, over and uh, gets yet another victory over Troy Coughlin Jr., Christian Quadra, and Derek Kramer. In funny car, Matt Hagen gets another victory. He spoke of the pressure he felt after Tony told him that he had to win because uh, he had already won. So Hagen in the Haas Automation Dodge wins over uh, Tim Wilkerson, John Force, and Chad Green. In top fuel, Antron Brown gets the victory over Steve Torrance, his bosom buddy, uh, Brittany Force, and Josh Hart. Standings, the next race will be the Charlotte the Charlotte Four Wide Nationals in a couple weeks' time. Standings going into that event. Uh, Torrance leads by 13 points over Justin Ashley. Brittany Force third. Antron Brown moves up to fourth. He's tied with Mike Salinas. Uh, Leah Pruitt, Austin Proc, Sean Langdon, Doug Coletta, and Josh Hart round out the top 10. Uh, 12 cars, I think, have run the majority of runs for their eligibility to make the playoff. Matt Hagen has a 105-point lead on defending world champion Ron Caps, 116 on DeJoria. Chad Green running a strong fourth, Robert Height fifth, and Bob Tasca sixth. Uh, Tim Wilkerson, John Forrest, Cruz Pentagon, Blake Alexander. And then once you get out of that, I think you have another four. So uh, looks uh, looks like a lot of people that have uh, an opportunity to do something this year in the money car category. They are Todd's outside of the top 10, which is pretty shocking. Former world champion in the funny car class. Uh, so interesting. It's also great. It also proves once again why they have a play. They have the countdown and they reset the point. Dallas Glenn leads by 51 over Troy Coughlin, 65 on Matt Hartford, uh, 97 on Camry Caruso, and 129 points on Aaron Stanfield running out the top 10 or top five. Butner, Anderson, Christian Quadra, Kyle Koretsky, and Mason McGahey round out the top 10. Uh, Derek Kramer is five points out. 13 points out is defending world champion Eric Anders, Fernando Quadra Jr., Jerry Tucker, and Chris McGahey rounding out the top 15 in the uh, NHRA Pro stock class i talked about i think the charlotte four wide will see the pro stock motorcycles come back again so that'll be nice to see get into rally croatia it's really just get into the points uh as of now getting into wrc i mean uh the passing of craig breen last week was uh sad uh he was doing a recce and uh on a, a stage and then ended up uh, uh, getting killed in in an accident. So uh, our our condolences to the family of Craig Breen, a young younger guy, uh, thirty three years old. So uh, unfortunate uh, loss for not only his him his family but 
for um, the rally world rally community uh, going into this race uh, the rally in rally croatia sebastian Ogier has run two out of three races is the leader with two wins thierry neuville who's finished on the podium of all three races is in second and Callie Rovampera, the defending world champions in third, a one point behind. Ott Tanak is fourth. He won Rally Sweden, but otherwise he has a fifth and a ninth. Afrin Evans is in fifth. So that's, uh, we'll see how it goes for, um, you only field two entries. So you at the asshole, it's going to attack in the air. Uh, Irish got 15 in a crash pre-event test. James Fulton was on harm, so... Will run for full time drivers Thierry Neuville and S. Esapek Lapi. So that's uh, uh, it's uh, so interesting. They're giving uh, they're paying tribute to Breen on the cars this this week or this race. And Cyril Abitable is now the Hyundai team principal. So that's something amazing how they stay somehow or another stay around even if they're mediocre. Uh, Oh, that's what it is. I probably put that to that right there, and then go and put that down to this. So there you go. Put that to there. Just uh, yeah. Formula E Berlin E-Prix is next. Try to run through this. I've been kind of lollygagging on this. Unfortunately, I need to probably adjust the way I do the roundup. Might help. Uh, Verline has led the points. For most of the year, still the case. 24 points on Jake Dennis, 25 points on Nick Cassidy in third. Three different manufacturers represented in the top three. Four if you get to John Eric Verne in four. So they're all, it's a very tightly bunched deal there between Dennis, Cassidy, Verne, and Antonio Felix Tacosta, the teammate of Pascal Verline. Uh, so that's what we'll look at. They have two races this coming weekend at the Berlin E-Prix. I'll run back-to-back rounds, and then they'll run in a couple of weeks' time at Monaco for around nine, and then they'll take a month, a month off before they go to Jakarta in Indonesia for the first time. They'll be running in Portland in at the end of June, so that'll be interesting and cool. That'll be to lead up to a doubleheader in Rome and then the final doubleheader to finish the season in London. World Superbikes in Assen, uh, one of the great racetracks in the world, especially for for motorcycles. Alvaro Bautista is uh, current points leader, uh, defending world champion, uh, won race one and race two at uh, Indonesia, the last race they ran. Uh, in March, so early days, only two rounds so far in the season. He's won five of the six races so far. Toprak Raskat, Lioku in second, Locatelli, his teammate, fourth or third, Bassani, Axel Bassani, Michael Rubin, Rinaldi, fourth and fifth, Johnny Ray is in sixth. So interesting to see how he responds here this coming weekend. Uh, Garrett Gerloff, the American on the BMW is with all of his BMW teammates, all kind of in the back, um, in 16th in points. So see if BMW has responded and has some better things to bring to the table. Go and get into Talladega, Josh. Uh, time for the algorithm. Got to get it out of hibernation. Uh, time to see what we think uh, is going to happen. 
or can happen at Talladega. Uh, it's usually a carnage-filled race, so the notion that uh, we're talking about it now and trying to make choices, it's very hard to make choices when you have people who basically treat it as a wild card. But we have to give it credence. It is a race. Uh 500 miler unfortunately they really ought to have they ought to run 400 miles for this race or something to make it better uh the, I think it should be 600 miles yeah and then why so we can see people jump over the fence because <laughs> i think that would be that would probably be as that would be more entertaining that would fit tony's deal when he had his rant a few years ago you could have some of them inbred hillbillies jump over the fence and they can go and play uh frogger um, with stock cars, that'd be pretty good. Uh, um, I saw a picture recently of, uh, I guess, an old Talladega race where uh, there is fans on the backstretch sitting, like on the the catch fence or like the fence behind the catch fence. So they're about as close as, as uh, what you could get. Yeah, well, that was like was it the nine eighties, probably maybe the nineties, probably the nineties. Uh, I think it was the eighties, but whatever. Yeah, and that was during the time when they were going over 200 miles an hour too. So, and those yeah. things took off. So that was that was probably intelligent. But then it's Alabama uh, Ag Pro 300 on Saturday. Uh, they'll qualify on Friday, weather permitting, of course. Uh, don't know if there's going to be weather or not. I'm just assuming, you know, because it's NASCAR, there'll be weather. Uh, what is it? You have 42 cars for 38 spots. You know, no driver listed for the 74. I'm trying to go through some of these other people here. Perkins again in the 02. Jade Buford in the big machine number five. David Starr driving for SS Greenlight. Uh, Krauss back in the 10. Jason White in the 13. Uh, Truex, Ryan Truex again in the 19. Parker Chase 24, uh, number 24 car. Jesse Awuji, why? And how the hell did he convince Todd Parrott to be his crew chief? Christ almighty. Uh, Joey Gase and CJ. Joey Gase will be running uh, for himself, but instead of uh, Patrick Emerling, they hired CJ McLaughlin to wreck the race car. So credit to them on that. Uh, Joe Graff Jr. will be in the 38 this week. Cesar Baccarella. Trying to make a start in the 45. Dexter Sacy in the 66. And uh, Josh Balicki in the 91. That's that's it. Uh, Josh, uh, let you go first on this uh, for the Xfinity Series. Who are you looking at as a, a winner and wild card? I think the vast majority of the field is a winner or wild card candidate, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's really, um, I mean, it's really not hard to to figure out who's um you know somebody that can win and you know usually we've been saying it's either one of the junior cars or one of the college cars um it could also be one of the Toyotas too they were up there you know John Hunter was up there at the end uh of the race too so um going to go with you know for this one uh you know I'm, I'm going to go with uh Brandon Jones I think you know he's Due for a win, hasn't won yet uh, this year, uh, hasn't won yet with uh, Junior Motorsports. Uh, I think, you know, the junior cars, Dale Jr. gets the, the crew together and tells them, you know, to figure out how to win. You guys messed up at Daytona uh, with uh, how they executed the end of that race. 
you know, with the, all four cars kind of racing for themselves instead of racing for each other. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Brandon Jones uh, winning this one. And who are you picking as a wild card? Uh, you know, I'll pick uh, as a wild card, go with uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt. You know, he's um, got that Earnhardt, you know, feeling at this track. You know, he been on the pole here before and ran pretty well. So I'll pick uh, uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt as a wild card. And I'll let you, um, I'll give you time to get the algorithm going. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go and make my picks. Uh, my winning pick is uh, Austin Hill. Uh, he's basically made ever since he's came to the Xfinity series and jumping in that 21 car for RCR. He's made super speedway type racing tracks his uh, playground. And I doubt that changes at Talladega. Uh, in terms of a wild card selection, I mean, I, if I picked CJ McLaughlin or Joe Graff or Jesse Uji, that would be a wild card. And it would also probably mean that I need to get evaluated for a mental deficiency. Um, my wild card selection for this weekend at Talladega for the Xfinity series will be. Yeah, that was a good one, actually, with Jeffrey Earn. Uh, dang it. Now I have to go back to the points. I have to go, go back to the point standings and see where, uh, people are at. You got all these drivers over here, 22 drivers, 23, 24, 25 that have ran every race. And right now of those guys, 24th is Jeffrey Earnhardt. So it's definitely wild. Um, for my pick, uh, wild card. Man, this is brutal. Um, you know what? Uh, 25, so you can go after 13. I think the top 13. So anybody outside of that, I will say I am gonna. I'm just gonna bail out. I'm gonna go with Jeremy Clements. Guy is he won at Daytona? <laughs> no, I said as a wild card. I okay. picked. I picked uh, Austin Hill as the winner. Oh yeah, okay. I guess so. Um, uh, Jeffrey, or what do you call him? Jeremy Clements, who won at Daytona uh, last year, I believe, or recently, last couple of years, and has uh, been able to put himself in positions to run well at super speedways. Uh, never know if they destroy, if they yard sale half the field and you're still there, entirely possible. Lock yourself in the playoffs of the victory. Stranger things have happened. Of course, three cars, what is it? I don't know, like 30 cars got wrecked early in the race. At uh, Talladega one year, and Tim Fedua burned his heels because he was going to start and park, but then his car was one of the only ones running. Uh, the qualifying uh, will be for the Geico 500 on Saturday morning at 10.30. The race will be on Sunday I've got afternoon. the algorithm for the Xfinity, by the way. All right, yeah. so uh, let us know. What has the Tate Fogelman algorithm said about this race? Uh, for Xfinity, it says that Parker Retzlaff is going to win. Okay, so Parker Retzlaff, Paperboy. Um, we talked about him last week at Martinsville. I picked him as my wild card. Qualified well. Finished just outside the top 10 uh, to win. So we'll see if uh, the Jordan Anderson team can finally come through. They've been close at Daytona with Jordan Anderson behind the wheel and uh, Myatt Snyder. Yeah, you know, so it's entirely possible. 
38 cars, so nobody, sorry, there is no f- people that are failing to qualify, so everybody will make the show, so that's actually a good thing. Um, Rick Ware is actually running a third car, a non-chartered, uh, or no, actually Rick Ware is running J.J. Ailey in that 51 car. I, I was confused for a little while, and then I realized that's Cody Ware, what used to be Cody Ware's car. So Rick, uh, J.J. Ailey will drive in that car. Austin Hill will be running for the 62, the Beard Motorsports team with Realtree sponsorship. B.J. McLeod back in his 78. Uh, going through some of these other people. Suarez will have Tootsies on his car again. Uh, different sponsor, Ailey. Uh, o. Richard coming off his Daytona 500 win will have Cheez-Its on the car. Money line will be on Tyler Reddick's car. Wendy's beef is in the bag will be on Gagson's 42. Eric Jones will be running the U.S. Air Force colors for the first time this year. Uh, Ryan Priest with Hunt's, Hunt Brothers Pizza. Zane Smith will be in the 38 with WellCare sponsorship. Todd Gilland will have generator skills on the 36. Um which is the third car they're able to run because of the sponsorship. So you'd be able to run all the races. Michael McDowell, regular, same as Haley, Liberty University for Byron, Columbia Sportswear for Bubba Wallace, um, Shell Pennzoil and Auto Trader for Joey Logano, uh, Motocraft Quick Lane back uh, for Harrison Burton, Ream for Christopher Bell, uh, Buster with Fastenal, AJ Adderalmendinger with Farm Smart. Uh, Riley Herbst is going to drive a Monster Energy Mechanics Wear number 15 for Rick Ware. Um, Chase Briscoe, Mahindra Tractors YOG, whatever that means. Um, Worth will be on the 12 for Ryan Blaney. FedEx Freight Direct for Danny Hamlin. Uh, it's weird that he's actually running a FedEx car. Hasn't happened much this year, seemingly. Uh, McLaren Custom Grills will be on the 8 for Kyle Busch. Celsius for Corey LaJoy. Castro Ledge for Brad Keselowski. A mobile One Back for Kevin Harvick. Uh, Sindrick will be running the Menards Duracell sponsorship. And then the Moose Fraternity will be on Ross Chastain, the defending race winner of the Geico 500. Um... I, I'll go first here. You know, I picked Blaney in February. That didn't work out very well. Um, I, I mean, picking super speedway winners when you consider how these races have been in recent years is, is more of a lottery. Um, Bubba Wallace, of course, has been great at this type of racing. Um, Blaney, of course. But you also consider Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, those are guys that have been up there over the years. Sindrick won the Daytona 500 last year. Said Chastain won this race last year. Dylan seems to always find himself in that spot. Uh, Kyle Busch was in a position to win the Daytona 500 earlier this year. Clyde has won at Talladega. So has Hamlin. Um, Al Marola won a playoff race at Talladega a few years ago in the 10 uh, with Klaus Myers as crew chief, no less. Um I don't, I don't remember if Allmendinger won a plate race in the Xfinity Series because Colleague was always up there, but may have not been him. Uh, Arn Truex has never won a plate race, a uh, points race, I don't think. So that's pretty interesting. Um, 
Oh yeah, that's true. I was gonna yeah. say in Xfinity he did. Yeah, definitely in Xfinity. Yeah. Chance too, but no, not in Cup. Yeah, yeah. which is something. I mean, he all he got he lost the Daytona 500 to Hamlin by by a nose there. Yeah, Hamlin by a back nose. In 16. Uh, you know, some of these other drivers here trying to look at. Of course, Haley's one Cup win was at Daytona. McDowell, his only cup win is the 500, which is nauseating. Uh, Eric Jones has won at Daytona. His first uh, career win, I believe, was a summer race at Daytona uh, with two wins at Darlington. Reddick has won uh, in Xfinity at Daytona back a few years ago. Well, Richard is pretty darn. All, all of his wins have been on super speedways in the Cup Series. Man. Um, stalled long enough trying to, I really don't have a clue on who to pick for this. This is nonsensical, really. Um, I'm going to do this out of restrictor plate races. Yeah. Um, my pick for the race on Sunday, um, I mean, I picked Blaney thinking he had a shot. I mean, he probably should have, but it went away from him at Daytona. Uh, he gets redemption. He finally gets off the schneid on the Cup Series side with a win um, at one of his one of the tracks that he has won at uh, multiple times before. Uh, so I'll say YRB to win. And my wild card choice, eh, not some options actually. I do have some options based on uh, average finish and stuff like that. Byron is god awful. Restrictor weight racing. Uh, well, these other guys aren't much better, to be fair, uh, including Chase Briscoe. Uh, yeah. My wild card pick's going to be Eric Jones. They've been they've been steaming hot garbage all year, and who knows what? Why why don't you roll a dice? He was in the position to win this race last year late. They need something to turn it around. So run the Air Force car, get the good vibes. Go out there and get a victory at Talladega and turn your season around. Um, you know, I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility. So that's who I'm going to go with. Uh, YRB to win that Jones boy is a wild card. So how about you, Josh? Um, is the, out of curiosity, is the algorithm ready for cup or do you need Yeah, a it's ready for cup. Um, All I, right, so I'll let you go for both then. Yeah, I'll. Let me, I'll give my pick first and then we'll get into uh, uh, the algorithm there. So, um, I mean, it's can't go any way here, but uh, I mean, Daytona 500 was one. I mean, you know, I'm going to go Kyle Busch winning at Talladega. That's what I'm going to go. They should have won the Daytona 500. I was thinking Ricky Stenhouse winning the Daytona 500, right? Yes, that's what happened there. Uh, and Kyle Bush should have won that one. So he um, kind of been a little cool recently, but um, you know, him and Austin Dillon seem to pair well on the uh, restricted plate or super speedways. So I'm going to go with uh, KB number eight winning uh, my wild card in this event. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with uh, Justin Haley. You know, he's been really good in the Xfinity series uh, at this track. And, you know, he's uh 
been really good overall super speedway racing uh you know in his career so i'll go with him uh, as my wild card and then that brings us to our algorithm pick uh phil you're gonna like this because it selects chase briscoe to be the guy winning yes winning at talladega this weekend so uh good picks by the algorithm pick parker retzlaff has been running well we picked him a couple times as a wild card and now it picks it to win and now uh, picks Chase Briscoe to win, and maybe maybe he'll actually be right, Talladega. Not the first time that's happened. Of course, our namesake for this, Tate Fogelman, somehow won uh, in the truck series the first time ever that we did this back in 2021. So maybe it strikes uh, once again this weekend here, Chase Briscoe potentially winning. Maybe I'll throw on a, a bet with uh, the uh, algorithm pick this weekend, and we'll see if it happens. <laughs> I might have to now as well there's absolutely nothing through his entire cup series career really uh outside of what daytona last year where he got a top five finish out of it um dot i don't really i can't really think of any other super speedway result of any uh, significance he's been up front at times and gotten wrecked he's been in the back and got wrecked so Two consecutive top five finishes for Briscoe, gotten himself back into playoff contention uh, after what was a nightmarish start to the year. And got destroyed early in the 500. Um, and just going through here, uh, Briscoe, yeah, he was wrecked with, he was running up front and got wrecked uh, 20, whatever, what worked out to be 30 laps from the end or 92 to 12, yeah. 30 laps from the end because they ran 12 extra laps because of those stupid freaking um, green white checkers. The, the spin by, by Suarez should have ended the damn thing. Um, 52 lead changes amongst 21 drivers. So that means it's the, if the racing is somewhat similar to what they had um, at Daytona, it could end up being a pretty decent race, but uh, we also have to take into account that, there's nine, 10, 11, 12, 17 cars or 16 cars were eliminated out of the 500 due to a crack or due to accidents. Um, Ty Dillon blew up 26 laps into the race. So uh, just going back to that top 10, I mean, Stenhouse, Logano, Bell, Busher. Uh, Bowman, who started on pole, of course. Uh, A.J. Allmendinger from 29th. Suarez from 24th. Uh, 6th and 7th, respectively. Ryan Blaney, 8th. Ross Chastain, 9th uh, and won a stage. Brad Keselowski won the first stage. And then Riley Herbst actually finished 10th uh, in his first cup start, uh, just ahead of Travis Pastrana, who started tailback, and Zane Smith finished 13th. Uh, the... Um, so some of the Rick Ware cars actually finished 10th and 14th in that race. So shows what happens when you're able to just outlast everybody. So we will see. Hopefully that does come true. Um, well, of course, Briscoe hasn't won in a while. So it'd be great. Got his hand, uh, his finger fixed. So hopefully means he'll have a little more maneuverability with his car as uh, Mahindra Tractor's Mustang. So uh, Josh finished with the his picks and the algorithm. It's now time for the sim segment. So what's going on in the world of iRacing and gaming? 
Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, talk about that. Uh, first, I want to lead up in the because um, we talked about go karting, you know, over the weekend. Of course, um, I mean, I'm going to connect it to sim racing here in a second because kind of felt that connection between real life and the sim, and I'll explain that in a minute. But um, you know, this weekend went uh, to Bushnell Motorsports Park in Florida, which is about um, two and a half hours away from where I. Uh, live and um, you know went out there uh, it's basically out in the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere in Florida you know in in between like Ocala and Tampa basically but um went out there and um, ran ran five races for about a hundred bucks so uh, they uh, had a pretty good deal there for you know the amount of time you get on track versus the price and um, you know each lap is about 72 73 seconds depending on how quick you are uh so you know you get about maybe seven to eight laps uh in in, in a you know a session but i mean it was pretty good uh, i watched a couple of videos online trying to you know figure out the uh you know right places where to break where to uh you know you know drive uh through the corners where to you know take the curbs and uh when not to in the corners so um try to really uh, try hard to apply that um, you know, I knew people who were faster than me. My friend was a little bit faster than me. So I, you know, let him go. I didn't really challenge, uh, that much. The first couple of races, just trying to, uh, learn the track. Um, last time that I went go-karting in Orlando back in January, it spun out a bunch, just, uh, going in too hot, locking up the brakes on corner entry. And, you know, this didn't really happen this time. Uh, one of my, my, Third race, I did spin out a little bit, uh, just uh, overshot the corner uh, once on accident, but nothing, nothing really uh, too much uh, other than that. Um, what made this track different is that there's a bridge. Uh, you know, Phil, if you saw the picture that I sent, there is a bridge on part of the track, so you go uphill and then downhill, and then you go right into a 180, uh, uh, you know, on a downhill section. So, um, got to be real careful. You know, you carry as much speed as you can going downhill and then uh break you know if you break late you know there's a chance you're gonna overrun the corner or spin out uh which did happen once for me but that was it so um you know it was just a challenge figuring out where to break in that section and there was a couple of other hairpins uh, about you know of one right-hander followed by a left-hander hairpin uh and then the rest of it you know is pretty pretty straightforward um kind of had that road america flow to it i guess you know especially with uh that downhill section like you know in road america going into the 90 90 degree left hander and uh you know turn five uh at road america so uh kind of felt like that a little bit but you know there other than that you know really fast probably going about 40 45 miles an hour in gas go-karts uh so uh that's uh it was pretty fun improved my lap times in every race that i ran uh for the most part um and i uh, was able to you know remain fairly competitive you know first three races I was just trying to learn everything and you know was putting up decent lap times for first time out there and everything but then fourth race uh you know my friend kind of you know he was starting i think he started in front of me but he you know passed by me away and you know i wasn't able to keep up with him that much but uh, there was this other guy that I let go, but then he ran into traffic, and then I was able to catch back up to him and got you know within maybe a uh, cart length, I guess you want to call it, of him, and was able to you know really press, try to uh, you know pressure the guy uh, into making a mistake, but you know 
didn't pass him, but was able to keep up with this guy. And um, the reason why I say earlier about the connection between sim and, I guess, real-life racing, well, a lot of times in sim racing, especially on the road courses, um, I've really, you know, like, especially when I uh, felt like I've put together a good set of corners, and then that leads to a good set of laps, and, you know, you're really in that state where, you know, everything's making sense, and you're making good time, good corner, uh uh, entries and exits and you know, you're breaking um you know and driving pretty aggressively uh and i felt that a lot of times especially when i was battling a guy trying to make a pass and you can, you can feel feel the pass like it's coming this is going to happen here in the next couple of laps and i felt that you know trying to get around this guy even though i didn't get around him i felt that feeling where you know i right there right behind him you know it's going to happen here. The pass, the move is going to happen here in the next couple lap or two. So, um, you know, I've, I felt that feeling where you're just like, you're focused, you're in the zone driving, um, you know, felt that in real life. So it was a good feeling to have, you know, especially when you're trying to pass a guy. I mean, it's not for, I mean, we're, we're going for lap time, but, um, you know, I wanted to be able to make that pass on track for the track position and try to try to execute a little bit of race craft and get that, uh, you know, get that in me, um, and everything. So didn't make the pass, but, um, you know, it was right there, made a mistake in the right hander of the, uh, you know, pair of, uh, um, paper clip corners, or uh, you know, 180 corners that they had at that track kind of struggle in the right hand portion, but then it goes in fault flows into a left hander, which, you know, that's pretty easy. You know, it's kind of break like you're at Martinsville or Sonoma or something like that. But the other one, uh, the right hander, uh, had a little bit of struggle on that one. So on corner entry, trying to, you know, get a good entry there and that really affected my lap. That was okay. And the other parts, you know, pretty much straightforward, you know, you're flat out for the most part. And then at the end, there's a hairpin before the start finish line. But, um, you know, you just have to kind of enter kind of high and then break and then get back on the gas for a corner exit. And then that takes you up into the bridge, uh, section there. So, yeah, I mean, it was pretty fun and everything. Then the last one started up front and I was able to keep my friend, even though he had a faster lap time in front of me, um, or behind me, um, I was able to keep him from passing me, never really got close, uh, to me and everything's and things were pretty stabilized. So definitely felt like I improved, um, throughout the uh, time I was there and everything. So, um, you know, glad I was able to go and hopefully be able to come back and actually I will have to come back because they had an iRacing simulator there. Uh, they had a good steering wheel set up the seat and everything cockpit triple tv monitors not computer monitors but actual tvs they're using for the screens for the cockpit uh but i guess the person there at the register couldn't uh he couldn't figure or she couldn't figure out how to load the sim i guess for um the you know for the session which is okay so i'll just come back later and try it out and then probably buy some more races so yeah good racing uh and everything and actually my buddy he uh my friend I got approached by a couple of old guys. They're in the, they're like sixties or whatever. They're just there to, um, you know, they're retired and they just come, come out there for fun to race and everything. And they asked him, he's like, well, we might have a spot available in an endurance four hour endurance race coming up. And they liked his lap time. So they asked him, he's like, Hey, uh, give us your info and we'll let you know if we have a spot available for, um, uh, their endurance race coming up in May. So that was good stuff there. So 
uh, definitely glad, you know, I was able to do that and, you know, glad, glad to be able to have other people, you know, that you can go up race against and, um, be able to, you know, talk about your approach to driving and all that sort of stuff and, you know, get into the real technical aspect and, you know, just talk about, you know, racing in general and all that stuff. But, um, you know, the actual racing stuff, um, you know, I did a little bit of Martinsville this weekend, uh, in the cup series, um, which, you know, that was pretty interesting, you know, with, um, especially, uh, you know, with, uh, the racing this weekend, um, I racing, I don't know if they have the package updated for cup, uh, you know, with low down first and everything, but, um, you know, just, uh, think ran back half of the top 10 until the very end, uh, curb hopped and spun on, you know, with about two laps to go off of a restart. Uh, so, um, well, they didn't really spin out, but I just like curb hit the curb and then kind of, um, spun left into the inside wall but it kind of kept it straight but i lost all my track position so ended up finishing like 14th out of like uh i think like 16 or 17 cars that were running or had entered so um that's okay but um you know always fun to do martinsville as well you know and it's actually the first track that was really good on in sim racing when i started sim racing all the back when i was a kid so it's always one of my favorite tracks uh to run and then ran Daytona in the Gen 4 Cup car, which was pretty fun. Uh, we had a lot of wrecks and stuff and ended up taking out most of the guys. And so you're running with about maybe five or six guys that were left unscathed, including myself. And then everybody else is a lap down. And it gets down to five laps to go. And half the front pack is lap cars. And that got really annoying because the lap cars are racing against the leaders and um, racing for position. I guess for lap position or um, just trying to take whatever runs that they can get. And that got really annoying because we're trying to go for a lead and then lap guy takes his run and, you know, drafts on by you and, and messes up your, you know, your strategy and, um, and everything. So, or, or like they would pass you, even though you're trying to lead the race and get their lap back and it's two laps to go, come on, just respect the leaders and everything. So that was really annoying. And then it affected the finish because the lap car, you know, the lap guys just never got out of the way. And the lap car in front of us, um, stayed, I mean, he stayed in his line. He held his line and everything, which is fine. But, um, you know, you just pull over and let the leaders go in the last lap. You know, you don't force the leaders to have to go around you and then make decisions and then end up taking each other out. And that's kind of what happened there. So they, leaders touched in turn three and uh with the leaders uh two of them on the outside and then the lap car on the inside and then somebody else like got a run and then tapped the guy in the middle and then he took out the guy on the outside who was in second at the time so lap, lap car went on by and then everybody was arguing afterwards saying that you know you the lap cars need to give respect to the leaders and the lap guys were saying, well, no, you guys need to, it's your responsibility to get around us and everything. And well, yeah, that's also true. At the same time, you know, it's the last lap of the race and you have nothing to gain from it. So just, you know, let, let the leaders decide it for themselves and everything instead of, you know, potentially being in the way or affecting the race. So that was one thing there. And then did, um, uh, 87s, uh, Daytona, uh, and everything and probably should have ran better, but, um, you know, I, I made a mistake and got into the wall and, um, actually had a, I, I got into the wall off of the, the trial and then spun out and then got hit on the inside, uh, the driver's side door and then flew up into the air and had probably should have recorded this, but 
and I had a pretty epic barrel roll uh, going into turn one and flying over and end over end stuff. So, uh, yeah, that that ha- that happened and it was disappointing. But sometimes that happens, I guess, in iRacing, racing. So um, I have to take it for what it is and everything. So. Yeah, that's pretty much it for iRacing. Uh, a little bit I did hear in the news, um, NASCAR may be reviewing um, who their, I guess, supplier will be or distributor or publisher will be for the console games. Obviously, the controversy with motorsport games and um, their ability to pr- produce a functional video game uh, on the console side. Um, I guess people were talking, uh, you know, obviously about that. Uh, for a while and we know the issues with uh, motorsport games indycar and nascar and all that stuff and you know their ability to make a game in which they can't and i guess nascar maybe uh potentially reviewing the uh uh publisher and maybe they'll change publishers for next year or this year or later on so hopefully they make a decision soon and they're they're able to uh you know do that so um yeah i mean i think that's it this week for racing for the sim racing segment. So uh, we'll probably try to have something on later, later on this week um, and everything will uh, maybe do some Talladega, which I think cup is at Talladega Xfinity is at Talladega. And I think even truck is at Talladega. So there'll be plenty of opportunity for Talladega racing uh, on iRacing and, you know, all, all the other stuff. So we'll get into it. Um, later on this week and hopefully entertain some people but yeah that's all for me of course you can follow the sims racing uh streams at t- twitch tv slash you sailor too and go on there and watch all my streams and uh see you know everything that uh i have to present and um you know stream as a sim racer and go on there and see all my stuff and and see if you like my approach to racing in general so go on there and uh, watch all my stuff there of course Twitter, JP Huffine, see all my takes on this and, uh, you know, any other topics of interest of mine, including football, which is coming up for the draft. So we'll uh, get into that later on this month, later this month, and talk about that, uh, which actually that's next week. So the draft is actually a week away, uh, which I totally forgot about until just Yeah, now. it is a week away. Yeah, the first round will be on the 27th so we'll probably give our thoughts on the draft next week yeah so yeah follow at jp Huffine for all the interesting things i might have to say about that uh in the coming week uh, and then of course our youtube channel youtube slash uh group share podcast go on there and like our page subscribe uh like our video uh comment whatever you know listen to it watch it do whatever you want uh, give us thumbs up uh and everything and we'll you know, support the channel on there and be able to uh, uh, continue to grow the, the content and, you know, continue to uh, produce content in there. So continue to follow us and support us in there as well. So, you know, of course, as always, thanks, uh, you know, for being able to host as always this week and continue to, you know, do this with you. And so, um, you know, glad to always be able to do it with uh with you as always and everything and you know also hopefully hopefully everybody out there did their taxes uh of course one more day for taxes and all that stuff so important thing to do so make sure make sure you do that if you haven't already yeah for the people that actually follow rules yeah taxes are are due tomorrow for a lot of people that you know are pond scum they don't think that they have to so if you're actually a good person you probably buy their taxes uh for me 
I'm at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Uh, we're at Pod on Twitter. You can find us anywhere. You can hear podcasts on the for the Gripster podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, the, the, before I go, of course, thanks, Josh, as always, being my right hand man, my sidekick, and the uh, what do you call the the tech guy in a sense in terms of the show at least on live. And then also when we post, when you post the video on our YouTube page, uh, you can find our show on uh podbean.com. That's our host server. And also philipgmatthew.com. Uh, we will be back for episode 166 of the Gripshire podcast next week. And we will be previewing the NFL draft as we just talked about. Also be, Talking about Formula One, coming back after a three-week hiatus. IndyCar at Baba, um, Talladega recap. They'll be racing at Dover next weekend. So plenty of racing coming up. We'll preview all that, getting some football talk, and anything else that comes up in the world of uh, sports and motorsports here on the Grip Trip Podcast. So for Josh, I'm Phil. Take care, and uh, take care of one another. Be nice to one another. The way things are going in this world, I don't know what's going to happen. So take care, God bless, and goodbye.